my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Ooh, divas, I have such a treat for you. It's Masterclass time again, and my friend and the incredible Whitney George is here to tell you all the good things. So before I get carried away with this, let me just tell you about Whitney and then we will just jump right into this episode and get going. Okay, here we go. Whitney George's music traverses the effective terrain between tragedy and ecstasy, fragility and strength, bringing together romantically delicate intimacy and the spectacular darkness of the macabre. Haunted by ghosts and love or ghosts of love, George's operas, staged multimedia works, and chamber music coloristically explore the mysteries of irrationality, nightmare, and memory, sonically seeking lost objects and hidden subjects. Given George's theatrical inclinations and preoccupation with the tragic, she has turned again and again to opera as both a composer and conductor. Recently, Whitney has been awarded a number of operatic commissions, premieres, and recognition. In 2017, the Elabash Award for her orchestration of Gideon's opera Fortunato, which premiered under George's baton in May of 2019. In the same year, the commission of the two-act opera Princess Maline by Dell'Arte and the video opera Julie by New Camerata, which was publicly released in 2020. This 2023 season, Fresh Squeezed commissions Fizz and Ginger, an immersive jazz experience, and the second operatic endeavor with librettist B. Goodwin. Whitney George is the artistic director and conductor of The Curiosity Cabinet, a chamber orchestra formed in 2009. She holds degrees from the California Institute of the Arts, Brooklyn College, and the CUNY Graduate Center. I hope that you will get as much out of this episode as I did. Divas, let me waste no more time. Let's just get right on in there and hear from Whitney George herself. Here we go. Hooray! Whitney, thank you so much for coming on to, the, on to Studio Class's Masterclass episode. I am so thrilled that you are here, and I was hoping that you would kick us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Whitney George. I am a composer and conductor based in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and I'm the artistic director of a group called the Curiosity Cabinet, which is known to mix music and other disciplines together in uh, a smorgasbord of uh, sort of theatrical events that kind of defy boundaries and labels. I love that. That's so great. <laughs> so I, I love that. I That's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have you on Studio Class so much is that you, like lots of our friends, have such a wonderful multifaceted career. And I think that's so important. That's such a part of who we are as creative people. And so I love hearing you talk about all those different things and how they come together to make up the wonderful creative person that you are. So Whitney, with that in mind, I love to ask people, what is an intention that you're keeping for yourself right now? 
intention that I am keeping for myself right now. I think I'm um, holding myself really accountable to uh, schedule and uh, making that a part of my practice. And um, I think that one thing that I am really trying to sort of aspire to is um, just being a, more in tune with myself as a creative individual mm-hmm. um, and assessing what 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 that what that is. Um, and so I think I've done a lot of kind of soul searching recently and I really encourage everyone else to do this kind of thing of like trying to trying to catalog when you do your best work at what point during the day during like under what circumstances and environment are you doing like your best create creative um you know like where is your creativity during the the day and so um I've been really in intentional uh about kicking off the day with what I would be most fulfilled with doing, which is writing music. So um, uh, setting off the day on the right foot, no matter how much I have on my plate, if that means I have early morning meetings, that means getting up earlier than those early morning meetings, but writing, because like writing really fulfills something for me as, you know, an artistic person. And so um, I think like setting that, that intention has been, or it's more maybe a ritual, I suppose, has been really, really important. Um, but, uh, and, you know, in doing, I, I, I teach composition as well. And sort of, I really try to uh, practice what I preach, of course. And so, you know, when my students feel really stuck about something, I ask them, I was like, well, what is your what is your commitment to writing like? Like, you know, when do you do your best in trying to ask them that that sort of that sort of thing? Um, and I also, I guess a, another commitment is the other thing to just getting rejected a whole a whole bunch. And that's I decided actually so funny that we're talking now. I decided like last night that I was kind of or two nights ago that I was framing things not so good for my creative soul, I guess, oh, which or yeah. the, um, which was that my thing has been like, you know, on a yearly basis, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring, whatever that ring is, whatever that hat I might be wearing, whatever it is, I'm going to do that, that action yeah. um, X number of times during, during the year. Um, and that, that's a, it's a great goal. I love that as a goal, um, intention setting and such love that. However, I thought about the idea of instead of throwing something out into the universe and not thinking about what comes back from it, instead thinking about collecting the return. So it sounds maybe stupid but I or silly or maybe nonsensical or even the same thing but the idea of instead of throwing my hat out into the ring collecting rejections instead that I should have a yearly goal as to how many rejections I should collect for myself and I thought about like that that already puts me in a different sort of head and mind space of that like actually proportionally something might actually win so I actually have to do more than just expect to get rejected um and so I guess doing some of these just studies of psychology with my myself and trying to just be better attuned with my myself as an individual has sort of um led to kind of 
uh, I guess, in settings of intentions, uh, whether it be like longer goals or like more practical, daily oriented things. That was a very long answer. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> Hi, honey. We we are on a podcast. Long answers are the like are what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I love that. Also, listeners of this podcast are definitely familiar with like the collect a hundred rejections in a year, like post and stuff like that. So this is I love that you brought this up as a way to be thinking about collecting the return. I wonder if you feel similarly to me that there are parts of our lives or our careers in which it is healthier for us to collect just the, the output. Like I, it's healthier for me to focus on just putting my hat into the ring. And then years Absolutely. where it's healthier to think about what I am going to measure the, the outcome, right? What is happening? Is it coming back to me? Are there yeses? Are they no's? Are they maybes? <laughs> like whatever. So totally. I'm wondering if that's something that you've bumped into. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a lot to be said for like going through the motion of things, even if you're not like feeling it, like I, I do this even when I'm not like feeling creative during the day. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to live on write, write music. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like going through the motions and doing it is the whole part of being focused on a craft, right? And like not waiting for inspiration or like the idea of like just engaging of the activity of doing a thing and pushing it out there. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of place for that as, as well. I thought that just the idea of, of collecting a negative thing was kind of just like an interesting sort of take, like, yeah, bring it on the rejection, bring it on. Yeah. I'm ready yeah. for the rejection. I'm here for the rejection. You know, I'm ready yes. to be someone, not someone's cup of tea or whatever it might be. Like, um, and sometimes, uh, you know, yeah, I think though that like trying to assess what you need at a given point is also like a wonderfully valuable tool. Um, and sometimes the active doing, oh gosh, there's this like this very sort of self-reflexive thing of like where like you don't feel creative because you're not creating and you're not creating because you don't feel creative. Yes. And so- yes. That the I the idea of just like okay just like get yourself in the motion is great and I think throwing your hat into the ring is a great act of doing of doing that yes watch something that you know let me push it through into this and this into this world and like that's and then you know not expecting anything is a great a great thing in that regard as well yeah totally yeah. Whitney I'm curious I'm going back to one of the things that you mentioned about soul searching and I feel like we say this as a phrase but we don't always know what that means and I'm curious if you have when you're talking to your students or when you're talking to yourself uh what does that mean for you like if you're soul searching about what's the best time for me to write all that that kind of stuff what does that look like as a process um that's a great question yeah like what does that actual underground work like or work look like there um I think that when I'm talking about soul searching I guess I'm trying to figure out what makes me produce the best work to the best kind of capacity mm -hmm. um and understanding what it is that makes me tick in that way and I guess a lot of my 20s was spent under the umbrella of thinking 
but knowing better that the um, troubled artist who leads a troubled life is going to have a fulfilling artistic output. Oh, really? Oh, I know. It's it's only perpetuated in like the books we read, the cinema we consume. A lot of the narratives deal with these like tragic, artistic, really unhealthy individuals, mm-hmm. horribly unhealthy. Um, and I'm no, I'm no stranger to like taking a bender on like, you know, or like, you know, whatever it might be, but you know, and so I have a whole, you know, taking a very, very small side tangent, I have a whole lecture that I kind of teach about like the idea of the, of, um, uh, the crossroads between drugs and, and music and the idea oh, of musical out- output. And so I like, know that you had that. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cool lecture that I'm not necessarily allowed to teach within the college boundary. So I right. teach it to or something like that. Right. And so I talk about like psychedelics and like the idea of like a lot of minimalism and the idea that like people of that time were really indulging in psychedelics, but not necessarily the people that were creating them. And I've got a whole quote about, you know, Philip Glass, who's, uh, he talks about like, hey, like, yeah, I I definitely had my heyday and dabbling in that sort of stuff. But like, truly, when it comes to actually sitting down and like doing the thing and writing the thing, like, you can't really just be like, hung up on all sorts of drugs and doing that sort of stuff, right? So, um, Anyway, so the idea of uh, the the tormented artist of my uh, of my twenties, um, you know, and living that kind of lifestyle emotionally, I think more than like physically. I'm not. I wasn't going around doing heroin or anything. No one can. This, this podcast is not going to be quite that exciting no. in terms of of content, right? No. But like, but you know, the the idea that. Um, um, you know, contentment um, does not breed creativity. Um, that doesn't mean that like being uh, uncomfortable is what's going to breed creativity or being um, comfortable is going to like not give you that impetus to create. And so um, I think undoing a lot of that kind of thinking uh, has been important. Um, giving myself enough sleep making sure that I'm actually like drinking enough water. I sound like someone who's truly aging right now. Right. And like, like making sure you have the right pillow. Like I'm not, no, I'm not, but, but, but kind of ritual. And so like, I know that if I'm going to try to get 10 hours of work done, or if I have a wicked schedule, like, and I have to meet a bunch of deadlines, that means I compose in the morning and I compose in the evening. And I have to give myself a mental break in the middle of the day. I'm like, you know, I might be able to write a minute of music in one hour, but if you ask me to write 10 minutes of music, you can't give me 10 hours consistently to like try to clock all of that in. And so knowing what that, what that actually looks like for, for you and, and battling burnout because of that's a, you know, I think as we're asked to do like so much more, we are totally asked to be renaissance individuals I feel in the artistic field and I think some people like thrive and blossom on that other people that's not what they are sort of meant to do right and so when you're trying to like do all of these things like working as efficiently as possible is actually going to be a key indicator to like how to be successful okay so like how did I figure out all of this stuff about myself like um 
keeping record. Um, I'm a religious notebook keeper for everything. It's downstairs right now, which isn't particularly helpful, but I have like a whole, um, you know, bookshelf of notebooks that include everything from sketches of pieces, things that absolutely matter nothing, like being upset with the charities bureau right now for losing a register, you know, like what exactly. anyway like everything from and and cataloging it and I I have found that you know know, I've got like a little app that tells me like today you did x number of things that's like the days I'm more most productive I do the things that make me like thrive as a little plant like it's it kind of and so just listening you know, your body usually screams these things, weirdly enough. I'm also like, I'm not one of these necessarily like hippie oriented people who's like, let me like touch the dirt and like be the land or whatever, right? (laughs) So like, I I promise I definitely just had a hamburger for lunch. So I'm not like, I'm I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm of both worlds, but I think it's important to the kind of, you know, at least creatively figure out when you're doing your your sort of best work kind of coming yeah. full circle there. No, I think that's great. I think that's so much of like figuring out all of those things is if you start asking yourself those questions, you'll also bump into other things that, you know, you just need to peel back the the veil on, look at it a little bit more closely. I think you've given us so many ways to ask yourself questions, to kind of be in dialogue or relationship with yourself and with others, you know, to kind of help you understand when do I do my best work? When do I do these things that also make me a healthy human being? And does it include, you know, so I love, I love that you brought up kind of like the the psychedelics and, and art conversation also, because it's like, what are the things in the world that will help me be like, open to my best artistic and creative self? And in what format, right? And so it's like, so the Philip Glass quote is being like, well, I can't be that and also be writing at the same time, right? So, but you have to figure out what opens the door for you or like what allows you to get the work done, right? Those are all those things that you're just figuring out. You mentioned teaching. I mean, I know that teaching is such a big part of what you do mm-hmm. and you teach in, in multifaceted ways in a you know in addition to all the other multifaceted things you do you teach you know uh lots of different age groups you teach lots of different uh subjects that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. i love asking about what is a skill that you love to teach usually i ask this like if we're talking kind of like vocalist to vocalist on this one like what's a technical skill that you like to teach but Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, you can take that in any different way that you want to with like, usually like, what's a hard skill, right? What's something that you can be like, here's the process. Yeah. So, um, okay. That's a great, a great question. So I've spent a lot of time because, uh, a lot of students that I have are just starting their compositional journey. So I have a lot of kind of formats for what will work to like kind of like a plug and play. Like if you put this information, like this kind of a thing here and this kind of a thing here, and then like put a cadence here, you can end up with a melody, right? Yeah. So that's not exactly like what, what we're what we're talking about. Um, but in terms of technique, 
um, compositional technique that I like to try to, okay, well, there's two, there, well, one's not so much a technique as like a sort of, this is what I'm known to say during my lessons, which is kind of fun uh -huh. as well. Um, but a lot of students will come to me with a big problem. Everyone comes up to me with the same problem. I'm stuck. I'm stuck and I don't know where to go. I'm stuck yeah. and I don't know where to go. I love that problem. I love that problem. Yeah. What a great problem to have. I'm stuck and I don't know where to go. So um, I usually will take have someone take their melody and break it off into well, all sorts of different sections. I'll do what is called, what I kind of call an Igor Stravinsky. Stravinsky was really known for like, writing his stuff, but then like cutting it up into different building blocks and then moving all those building blocks around. And so yeah. I encourage them to kind of do that as a technique is to take their ideas, segment them and try to challenge that in terms of what can you get by just rearranging some of these segments, turning some of these segments upside down, reversing some of these segments, but just these materials. And it kind of comes back to my idea of like, what makes a good piece of music? Like, why would we even do this in the first place? Um, and I think a good piece of music, something that withstands, withstands the test of time, has a good, a, a strong sense of organic unity to it. Mm. It's like the idea of cooking with a secret ingredient. And that ingredient is sort of like through the entirety of the dish that you're creating. And so by reconstructing things that are a part of the thing that you're already working with, you are, you are assured that you will have organic unity within the piece of music. So that's like, that's one thing that's like kind of something that I, that, that's easier to do with an actual example as a tool. Yep. Um, if you're really, 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 really stuck composing, there's a fun thing that I usually suggest to my students, which is to listen to a piece of music and decide where the composer didn't spend enough time and rewrite the piece starting from that point. <laughs> I, there's so many really cool, like kind of early 20th century kind of post-tonal things where I'll like hear a snippet and I'm like, where did it go? Where was that amazing little melodic thing? I could hear that for like a whole, like, you know, big, huge. So sometimes I'll be like, Hey, you don't know where to start. Like, can you take this, th these four notes in this figuration and do something with it that and yeah. use it from the context of analyzing an early and a piece that we're kind of pivoting from. So yeah. Um, learning by example or rewriting different melodies to people's accompaniment, I find is a very fun activity for my, like my younger, like seven and eight year old students yeah. who are like, you, you know, learning piano things. I'm like, could we try something that like, you know, uses these chords in a different sequence or anyway, but like, I, I like the idea of looking at something and then taking it apart yeah. and then having, and, and having people kind of look at the pieces in that in that sort of way and look at good masterpieces, understand really what it is to be built like that and then replicate it in their own sort of fashion. So um, I don't know if those are really necessarily what you're working, but like those, yeah. those are two things that I, that I like to incorporate. I love those. Do you, yeah. Sorry, you, I'm going to soapbox for just one second, which yeah. one of the things that you brought up I don't think that singers are usually encouraged to play with composition as much as they could be. So they, I feel like um, 
the point about giving building blocks for creativity that way is so helpful and so interesting and wonderful. And I just, I'm just excited that you brought that up because in this space, we can encourage each other to that composition doesn't always have to be like, suddenly you're 100% writing symphonies, right? Like that, I think that's kind of the, this expectation, especially if you've gone to music school, that composition is this like lofty thing that you're not allowed to touch. <laughs> like, and cool. so I love that you brought up just a way where all of us who are involved with music can play and be creative and be composers in their own way by just simply taking the building blocks that are already there and changing them up a little bit and see what that does for you. Do you want to add anything else? Do you want to try it a different way? So thank you for just kind of offering oh, yeah. it as like a permission slip, you know, for anybody Absolutely. who's listening. That's great. I think that's, I think that's really, really important. And I think that like, I think that where music education has majorly like fumbled in terms of like the handoff between performance and composition is the idea that I mean, at least I remember, and I was a very serious musician. No one ever like pulled me aside and was like, this is how music theory relates to the thing that you are actually performing right here, right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the phrase of your melody. This is how your melody is grouped into, like this is how the cadential motion works with the melody here. This is how the transition builds tension to like, so, one of the things that I, I'm very glad that I'm able to work with, so I've got this, this adorable student, um, and I, I'm sorry to even use her as an, as an example. She's not so much a composer, but I don't like, in terms of she doesn't like to write music without me being there. Yeah, that's okay. okay. I, she sometimes like messes around on the piano, but she'll never like write her own stuff. She likes me to help her like with rhythmic dictation. It's a scary thing to like hear some things and not quite understand. So, you know, We've been doing the thing where we, you know, we conduct, we tap things out and all this other stuff. Um, but in terms of uh, this, this little, this little bean, um, she, she just like, she starts with showing me the music that she's been working on. And then I have her apply the terms of composition to what she's working on. Yeah. And then we see what's worked in the, like, I, so I asked her usually, I was like, what's your favorite part of playing this piece? Yeah. It's usually the part where we've gone into minor because of course that's the best part, right? And so, so I was like, hey, like we should, why don't we try to do that ourselves? And yeah. like, and co and copying by imitation we learn how to do these things and by engaging with what you're what you're working with at someone else's piece and sort of anyway I think it's a, a a wonderful tool to 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 kind of build off not you know, you're recreating the wheel is not necessary um right. Right. yeah so well, and such a good point about being able to integrate all of the things that we're learning right I. I think it's so fascinating that we can be in all these different courses, but we don't always integrate the knowledge into like how we are musicians or composers, you know, that way. So, so important. Anyone who's listening, please ask, ask your mentors for help integrating that information because it just makes it so much better when you know, right? Totally. You're like, oh, this is the B theme that I'm singing right now. Oh, this yeah. is actually, oh, it's actually really a one and it's a variation of like, it's that enriches your experience of the music and helps yeah. uh, like 
create an actual interpretation that feels authentic and I mean, that's what we come back for is different interpretations. And how, how do you make a good interpretation by understanding the piece of music? How do you understand the piece of music by like, like looking at the parts? How do you actually really understand the parts by trying to make them yourself? Mm, yes. Yeah. Even, even if you really suck at it, just trying to make it yourself. Yes. Just trying. Yeah. Just try. So, there's no like you get to do it on your own nobody's judging this it's not for it's not for a grade (laughs) I love it Whitney I'm gonna kind of pivot a little bit but it's a similar kind of question just on a different side of our lives which is kind of I don't know maybe a little bit more the business side of what we do and I think that you have such a beautiful entrepreneurial mind in so many ways and I I talk a lot about micro actions, like throughout all the, all the places that I put things like, and so micro actions, I always give the same example. A micro action is not write the grant, right? As you and I both know, that's a whole thing. There's lots of different parts, right? Micro action is like, you know, finish the budget for this grant, right? Like this really just trying to bring things down to their most elemental parts so that you can have a specific measurable thing that you can achieve mm-hmm. for your life and your create like professionally creative work. Do you feel like there's a micro action that you've done consistently that's helped you just kind of move forward or feel momentum in your career? Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love studio class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, and for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash And now we're back to the episode. Oh, good. That's a good question. Um, I think the commitment to getting my ideas out on paper is really important. Oh, wait, actually, weirdly enough, it's okay. So like kind of a micro action, but like, no, I'll talk about the other one, the other one first. Sorry. Sometimes I have many divided minds. Um, I, I think that the, wow, there's a lot of traffic now happening outside. That is like, it's honk city. So sorry. It drove me right off my, off my track. Um, the idea of writing consistently and getting my thoughts down on paper, um, I have a working to-do list that I work off of on a daily basis. Yeah. That, that, that to-do list has different, like I, I made different benchmarks for myself or treat myself or reward myself based on how much I do during the day or whatever. Um, one of the, the list has a bunch of different things on it. It has write in my notebook. Um, it has go out and get exercise, Mm -hmm. like, like you do do your 10,000 steps or like go running or, 
you know, do the row machine, whatever it might, might be. Um, other things are like much more, uh, one is an engage in self, one act of self-loved and self-care. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones is, uh, do something nice for someone else. Yeah. And so I find that I will check them. My most fulfilling days will have like a different kind of, or a kind of order that I check things off, off in. And that I usually try to, one of the micro actions that I have found that is, I think, and it seems kind of stupid is doing something for yourself and for someone else at the outside of the day and then doing your creative thing. Yeah. Yeah. I so, love that. yeah. So it can be really, really small. It could be like making someone coffee in the morning. It could be like, you know, picking up someone's dry cleaning if that's what needs to happen. It could be sometimes it's like giving someone a free lesson or going majorly overtime with a student and giving yeah. them, yeah. Or, um, you know, just like pulling a solid for, you know, making the phone call to someone and letting them vent for like whatever it is, but like, and, and, but I think the important part is like doing it, but also recognizing that that is something that you do and like checking it off. And so, um, and I, I mean, I've been like really consistent in this for like, like 10 years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so how did the, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did this kind of form? How did that you start to kind of coalesce around these things? I mean, I love notebooks. Holy yes. moly. <laughs> I mean, like I have, I love, I love stationery. I love notebooks. I love, I, there's nothing there's something, okay, there's some really, really simple things in this world that are really, really, really beautiful. One of them is sneezing. Sneezing's a great thing. I love sneezing. This idea that you like have something that itches in your nose and that you immediately sneeze. I love it. Okay. The other thing that's on this list is checking things off of a list. Oh, so satisfying. Like, so good. You've got the piece of paper and you're like, yes. And so I think that simple pleasure of literally checking something off of a list, I go crazy for it. My sister and I are so similar. I went out to visit her and she's like, you know what it's time for? And I was like, what? She's like, it's time to make a list. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. I'm so ready. And so she's like, she's there with her long paper and she's got yeah. totally different handwriting than me. And I, I love to see it. And so, oh, also I can't say this, like we type so much, please yeah. like write something by hand. I love yeah. the things that are written by hand. Um, but I, so I, I got into this, I think I just recognized that it was a really simple pleasure that existed in life. Like, you know, you know, when you like tear you know, the wrapping off of something in a particular way, or you can get like it, you know, an orange peel off in one go, yeah. it's like one of those simple sorts of things. And so I think that's how I got addicted. I like, I just got addicted to it and it makes me feel really good and that doesn't mean that there aren't days that I don't do things right right like that's allowed like that's in the it's like you know whatever it is like dick off like so they're they're, like they're like Saturdays or whatever days that I I have they're they're like you don't have to fulfill your goal or I just like I don't sometimes I still do things sometimes I don't but like yeah. So allowing yourself that leniency, those kind of cheat days, if you were like doing a diet or something like that, I'm bad at that sort of stuff, but like, you know, um, not how you don't have to be, I'm not saying like you do like be the workhorse that, that, yeah. that you have to check off it, but like, there's something really, really satisfying about, I got it done. I love that. And 
Whitney, I'm sure, I'm sure you can imagine that like making a list comes up practically most times during this part of the conversation. And we all have just different ways that it like speaks to us, what we do or like how we want to make that list or what things end up going on the list. And so that's why I love having this part of the conversation because all of those those things we are we're all kind of drawn to the same thing but we do it in our own unique way that helps us do it right just keep going yeah. and like so I love that I love and I just love that you shared like a few of the major points that go on your list like the ones that keep you as a human like aligned with your values and aligned with your goals you know it's not yeah. what I hear you saying in some of that too is also like it's not a productivity like gluttony it's more of a uh focusing on what's what's the most important to you and like what you said really like aligning each day with like no 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 these things are should be on my list as a human rather than like well i just let me get as many things onto that list as possible so that i can just like feel the feel the dopamine rush of crossing off meaningless things like that's not what I'm hearing in, in what no. you're saying at all and like the idea is like I've now checked enough things off of the list to understand that my day has about 10 things I can do in it mm. and so I use those 10 things really wisely yeah and so they're they're ordered they're never ordered like I, I don't order my list yeah. like taxes unfortunately is on the list right now and it's right. like it is a, it's like a, so right now it's a recurring task and it's like, just spend a little bit of time yes. doing the shit that is the taxes. And actually speaking of, that's what I do for big, big time grants, trying yes. to cycle back to things that are musical. Also, right? I want to like pop in really quickly and say like, this episode is probably going to air much later. So just know that like Whitney's super on top of her taxes, not the other way around. <laughs> 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 you're like Whitney is going to have to file for severe bankruptcy oh no, no. <laughs> super on top of it we're just uh like you're hearing this episode later in later the, after taxes yeah, like, has already been dealt the so, tax yeah <laughs> no totally so so I know that I've got like about 10 like the capacity for 10 things which yeah. is why like composition is gonna be one of those yeah and I know that if composition is not one of those 10, I am a grumpy person because yep. I don't feel like I've done that, that sort of, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So I think that understanding your, you know, what you have in you during a normal day, when you have normal sort of stuff, like what do my, my Tuesday usually yields seven things that I can do. What are those seven things going to be oh. right? So sorry, bigger grants, bigger projects. Yeah. Um, I find that sometimes like a a really big task, and it kind of goes without saying, really needs to be broken up into smaller components and even, even to just be palatable. Yep. Like taxes. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but big grants, uh, also similar big on uh, big ensemble pieces, not much different. Things like writing operas and musicals, it's like song by song we go. And like, yes. you just sort of like head down, right? So sometimes I find entering this world, I'm I'm a really efficient worker, but I am not a like a stranger to procrastination. I'm glad I'm not the only one, I guess. I I mean, we've been talking about taxes, but like I don't want to do them so bad. I started updating my website if it gives ah! you some idea of right. 
And also I'm going to start this piano vocals. I, I got a bunch of unsavory things to, to do anyway. So whenever I have a really, 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 really big task, and this is my dissertation happened only by this stretch, which was, and I won't even to, to take the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yes. Do whatever is easiest Yep. right up front. It doesn't matter what it is. It does. It, it does not matter. Yep. Once you have the momentum going, it is way easier to do the dumber things. <laughs> so if you're sitting there, you know, like chattering on your teeth, being like, "How am I going to just like write this orchestra piece?" Usually, the first thing is just to like commit yourself to the fact that you are going to open a file to start the thing, and then the next thing I usually allow myself is like, "Well, let's write a bunch of crap." first yeah, yeah and and this is the equivalent of a shitty first draft I think that yeah. I think that just getting it out yeah. is the so a lot of like when I'm proposing a project when I'm describing a project when I'm thinking about like you know like a funding opportunity and I want them to know about my project the first draft of what I'm talking about is like a crazy person is talking about their art it's yeah. like and then, you know, so the elephants come, like, it doesn't matter what it, what it is. It, and it should be full of like, and that sounded like crap and moving <laughs> on. Like, like it, had, it, sh it should be to, to whatever capacity, but the idea is to just, just go and do that idea of like, it gets easier when the momentum is going. And I really, it's annoying because like, I hate working out worse than anything, but it's the first like two minutes of working out that I really despise the most. And usually after the first two minutes, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Why was I complaining about it the whole time? Yes. Or worse yet, emails that sit in my inbox that really actually only require maybe at most 15 minutes of actual legitimate work, but they will sit in my psychological like inbox for much, much longer than that. Anyway, I hope a lot of people listening are like, it's me. She's talking about me, ah. but it's actually me. <laughs> right oh man that's <laughs> I was like that's for real that is that is the realest thing right I'm just yeah, trying to like find those ways because that's a big part of it is usually I get stuck or the emails that are actually 15 minutes but they're taking up like psychological space is usually because I haven't broken it down into like what is this person actually asking for or mm -hmm. like or are there multiple parts to this right because usually you can take care of like the first the first thing I loved your point about like low hanging fruit, like just respond with the first thing and then say like, I'll get to the other things in this email later. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I also, I have, a, a, I think our relationship with our inboxes is things that's, that's going to change wildly over time. Who knows how much this comment that I make will even age for that matter. But the idea of like, I do have separate inboxes for separate things. Yeah. Yep. And I, I very much have a teacher hat yep. and teacher requests go to teacher inbox. Yep. And I deal with that in a very particular time of the day. Yep. And then I deal with it again, 12 hours after that point. Yep. Yep. And it is not something that interrupts my putting your stuff on like, do not disturb mode, actually not being subject to notifications is a big sort of thing. So 
um, not being tethered to technology, I found is um, another really important thing that has led to more productive days and less things that feel like, where did today go? <laughs> yeah, and like more meaningful days. Like I want to make yeah. sure that I'm feeling like meaning rather than simply productivity, right? Sometimes that's a difference for me, which is like checking all the things off the list, but were they the meaningful things on my list, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, kind of changing, changing gears, because I want to come back to like the artistic part of your life. And the next part of this is really just like, I want to hear about what's, what's on your list of things? Like, what are you writing? What are you being filled up by what's kind of you know like fanning the flames of your artistic life at the moment so um during the pandemic Brittany uh Goodwin and I a librettist I constantly work with she and I did a a big two and a half hour opera Princess Malen together Mm. right before the pandemic um we really obviously were upset by lockdown by literally as was everyone else I'm not you know our our sentiment was not original um but the thing that I was really kind of I, I got to be in my bonnet about was the idea of like well what kind of an art are we supposed to be making at a distance with one another and I'm a, I'm a as someone who gravitates towards opera like large-scale forms is kind of where I am as a as a composer I like the meeting place of music plus other things, which is why the curiosity cabinet exists. Um, And so when the pandemic hit and we weren't gonna be doing large scale things at all, and certainly not large scale things where people were interacting with one another, I was like, well, oh, this is an awkward time to be me right now. Um, So so Brittany and I, you know, I, I wanted to make art that felt like it should be dealt with at a distance mm. and so we wrote radio dramas oh that were yeah very much meant to be enjoyed in your own home because yeah. that's what radio dramas were yes. so a, a lot of my practice is about making historical nods to points in history and I know it's really really broad um but I'm a big believer in refabricating and repurposing things. And I think I live and breathe that everything that you see on screen right now is definitely not an original thing, right? right. They've lived many other lives as a, like clothes, that sort of thing. I'm a, a secondhand sort of a person for, for certain. And so reviving older forms for new purposes, very much something I'm into. So radio drama, um, we did three pandemic themed radio dramas. Um, the most recent one just came out for Lunar New Year. Uh, it's about the outbreak of the bubonic plague in Chinatown uh, in 1904, which wow. if you didn't know about that, that's right after the big earthquake. Um, really uh, very, very sad uh, stories of obviously like racism, um, and hate crimes in uh, San Francisco where I grew up. Uh, and so that was the the third uh, radio drama. The other two, one is about um, New Orleans. Uh, and it is about the Axeman, the serial killer that was in New Orleans after the outbreak of the Spanish flu, uh-huh. another pandemic. Um, and then the first and original one that we did was a adaptation of Charlotte Perkins Gilman's uh, essay, called Home, Mm -hmm. um, which is about the uh, 
um, again, uh, the pandemic uh, kept everyone at, at a home homestay and sort of the um, travesties that happened uh, sort of in a very psychological way of being so isolated. Um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman being, you know, just such a great like font of all of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in fact, that's so that's my set, second setting of something by her. I have an original uh, adaptation of uh, the Yellow Wallpaper uh, as an as an opera, which is quite cool as well. So those those three um, narrative and uh, music driven projects are um, all out uh, for public listening. Um, one of the things that we recognized was that people were really hurting financially during the pandemic. And so, you know, it's really, they're just there for your enjoyment and your, for, for your enjoyment only. Um, uh, so we don't ask any money for them. So if you want to listen to them or post the links, you're welcome to. Um, but, uh, you know, we had always kind of envisioned these things being staged yeah. as well. So um, in uh, probably about a year from now in spring uh, 2024, we have uh, projected plans to do state uh, staged um, uh, uh, double features of yeah. radio dramas, both uh, these pandemic themed ones and some that are from the canon, yeah. like War of the Worlds and things yeah. by Agatha Christie. So um, that's very kind of in my um, in my wheelhouse in terms of areas of interest and in mu marrying music plus other things. Um, as we're exiting the pandemic. Uh, Brittany and I are working on another project. Uh, we are working on the immersive uh, prohibition jazz opera, Fizz and Ginger, Ooh. which is kind of takes a major nod to sleep no more in terms of its style and yeah. uh, feeling of putting the audience inside of what is happening with the theater. Yeah. Um, so quite literally put the double bar on the one of the songs from it yesterday Yay. I am in the heat of doing piano vocal reductions for that sort of stuff which is not where my soul does its best singing I will say but that's okay it has to be done it's a, some of the work is not the beautiful let's be inspired sort of thing but um I mean we're talking like the lead singer is going to be in your lap sloshing a martini in your face yeah. like yeah. it's going to be and I think, um, so in terms of what, what really gets me excited right now is the opportunity to get back in everyone's face, um, which I'm really hoping it's not too soon or anything like yeah. that. Um, we're going to be smart about it, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, branching music out into other places that don't necessarily have music is more or less kind of what I am, um, what's fanning my fire. Um, yeah. yeah well, so I think this might be a little bit more logistical, but are you, are you and Brittany open to, you know, singers who are listening, if they wanted to do this in their own institutions or organizations, are you open to them reaching out to you about that? Heck yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of the things that, you know, again, came before my list of like, you know, things to do, my website underwent a really awesome update. So now it's got a lot more information about things that like, like operas and stuff that I've done. So you can yeah. like rent the sheet music and stuff like that. One of the things that we're doing also is like making a good, really good piano version of it so that like you can pull out songs from it if you wanted to do it. They're very, um, 
very jazz oriented. Uh, they they're they kind of rock an interesting line between kind of music theater and and opera. Yeah. There are no there are changes, but they're all written out. There are keys, but like we step out of them every once in a while. It's kind of I don't know exactly what to compare it to, and I'm not trying to be like it's so original. I don't even know, like <laughs> right. But I'm, you know, it's it's definitely like. I, it's between those those er- those areas um yeah yeah I think that's such a, a that's a place where so many um emerging artists really want to be exploring and don't always know that there are lots of options that they can pursue and this being one of them you know so I really want to connect people like with going oh I, I that's something that I want to do I want to try that let me find out more about this music so totally. that's exciting yeah, and I think when I design like an an event or think about a piece that I'm writing, I the end product is I want to put it in in front of an audience, right? And then therefore my question is not to be like pandering to my audience, but like what does my audience want to want to see? Yeah. Um and I think that sometimes makes me unpopular in a in a way. Uh, I think oh, there's... unpack that for me really quickly. <laughs> so I think that like in terms of like from a granting agency perspective, I think uh-huh. that there are some things that we're really interested in looking for funding for. And um, I love that we are sort of stretching our ideas of the narratives, who should be speaking these stories. I love that. I'm totally yeah. all about that. Yeah. I think that sometimes we forget that art need not be a horribly painful, like therapeutic experience all the time. And that that again, (laughs) and that like escapism is a huge, I, I watch a movie to escape. I read a book to escape. I go and listen to music to escape. Yeah. That doesn't mean don't deal with heavy narratives. I, I mean, I mean, some I'm I'm wearing a lot of color right now, but I'm usually someone who definitely like trots a more gothic sort of line, right? But sometimes at the same time, like I'll like waltz out in pastels, and you'll be like, "Holy moly, what's happening?" And so I think I think that like we just um, I I get a little sad because I I I think that we forget that things can just be fun. Yeah. Well, and that's overall better for everybody, everybody that's applying for things, everybody that wants to engage with art is that you have to be thoughtful about not only prioritizing people's like most traumatic things, like, so that there's lots of space for art to help us tell our stories and, and engage each other and all of the things that you want are available in, in art, right? So it's not just just one or two things or the hardest things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so in that, in that way, whether it's, you know, doing the sort of hard therapeutic thing or doing like the sort of escapism thing or somewhere in between, I always ask myself when I go and see it. Yeah. 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 When I go and see my own thing. Yep. And I know that sounds really stupid, but like if I'm putting on a concert of just like pieces of music that are 
just together, like on a kind of recital sort of situation, I always ask myself, like, what's the bigger theme here? Why would I see all these pieces together? Would I myself drag myself out if the weather was crappy to go to this thing? Yeah, right. Yes, and so yes. I think I sometimes think that like people just don't ask themselves that question. Would you go see that? Oh, so, and real. I want, so real. I want that answer to be without a doubt. Seven underlines, yes. Yeah. I can deviate into a small side story, which is that like at National Sawdust, I was given a date, which I love the venue National Sawdust, but they gave me the shittiest date and the shittiest time in human history. It was like late, it was like maybe early February. It's it's awful here in New York City in early February. And it was like the middle of the week, a Wednesday. And it was like a late concert. It was like at 1030 or something. I was like- wow, like you you pretty much gave me a death sentence of of a date, right? So I had to ask myself, I was like, what will get everyone out there, no matter all of these things that I just said? Yes, yes. So what is that answer? Well, that answer at the time was an erotic opera. And I'd like, and and it was sold out. Amen, yes. It, It was sold out. And so I think, I think people just need to ask themselves really that question a little bit more often. What, what would make you give up your night? Your time is precious. Yeah. What, yeah. What is it? What, what would it be? And would you go to your own thing? I love that. Whitney, those are such great questions. And I really, I really value that because as you know, one of my favorite things to talk about is curiosity, right? And those questions are such a great example of like asking yourself, what is like really figuring out kind of even going back full circle to where we started, you know, and, and so that does bring me to my question about, I think that curiosity is a superpower. So what is something you're so good at asking yourself questions? What is something that you're deeply curious about these days? deeply curious oh my gosh I mean I want to know oh like really specific or very very like it's an open-ended question I mean I'm curious oh gosh (laughs) like everything it's It's really hard I like I want to I want to know how to be like a I want to know how to put food together intuitively Ooh, I like that one. Like, like a, like a really, like a chef. Like I really would like to, I'm really, really freaking curious about that. Okay. Cause I have a very, I don't have like a troubled relationship to food, but I'm not someone who like, I don't know. I like kind of like, don't feel anything like here or there about food a little bit sometimes. So one thing that I do really go absolutely bananas for is like when food, food is really like carefully thought out and like like considered. And I'm like, how do I do that? And I guess I'm curious about how do I do that for myself? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, aside from wanting to know literally how everything works all the time, I like, I'm like, oh, I want to know how to score a video game. I'm like, well, I know how to like write the music. And I like, but I, you know, if we're talking about totally outside of my area of interest, I want to know, I know I want to know how to intuitively kind of cook. I love that. Ooh, that's <laughs> such a good one. Yeah, I feel like so much of our lives, like we're all we're all just like curious beings. We're just like, oh, I want to know about that. How does that happen? Tell me more about this, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. I run a podcast in which I get to just ask people questions all day long. So I'm like, curious is 
is my state of being. And so I just love hearing about, you know, what is, what is one of the things that's like sparking yours? And I think that putting food together like intuitively is such a beautiful response. I think that's great. <laughs> just like, I don't know, like in a way where you're like, ooh, this was like a Michelin sort of experience yeah, for me, right? but it was at home and I did it. And, yeah. you know, just thinking the same way that I think about composition in other areas, I guess, like edible ways yeah. or exactly. smell or something. I wonder how I could use this in other sort of yeah uh, areas. Not to make it all, but no, that's perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Whitney, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I want to ask you one more thing. Please tell the listeners, please tell the viewers where they can interact with you on the interwebs before I let you go. Sure. So like I said, my website went underwent such a beautiful change. So I would be so happy if you all went to my website. It's WhitneyGeorge.com. You can also find literally every single link to any social media channel right there on my website too. I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on Instagram. You can find you can find me on Facebook. If you're looking for my album releases, they are on Spotify with Pinch Records. Um, But you'll find a lot of stuff, like especially if you're looking for chamber music or things to program, there's a lot of archival things on my SoundCloud, but like a lot. So yeah, listen there. Okay. Well, I personally will also be going there. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Whitney, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is, you you know, I could talk to you all day long about all the things. And so we'll, I'll just have to have you back and also just come (laughs) hang out with you in the future. So I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and just being so generous with, with the way that you see the world. It means a lot to me. And I know that everybody listening just gets, gets a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being a masterclass guest. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on studio class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at Mezzoinen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends or even strangers, really. So with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.